The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of Ecclesia Houston. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to follow Jesus, the liberating King, and live in His kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Good morning, Ecclesia. Natalie and I, my wife, seated there, love going to this church. This has been our home church for about 10 years. Last month, Pastor Mike baptized our two little baby daughters. Natalie serves as an overseer here, and it is my privilege as president and CEO of Living Water International to be your partner as you've blessed thousands of people with water for life in Jesus' name. One of the things I love about this community is that we are a people of action. Thank you for loving your neighbors here at home, across town, and around the world. You are changing the world. Now, at Advent is when we reflect on the need for water, and that Advent leads up to Christmas. In the church calendar, we're in another very exciting season, and it's called Lent, and it leads up to Easter. And as you heard last week, Lent is a time that we could give up good things in pursuit of better things. And the better thing is coming alive again by rediscovering or finding adventure and purpose in God's big story. Please join me in prayer. Almighty God, we are so grateful that we can gather again. We don't take for granted this opportunity, Father, to be together. Thank you, Lord, for the beautiful music through which we could worship you. Thank you for bringing us safely here for the warmth and engagement of this place. Father, I just pray that as we move into and through Lent, you would speak to us, that we would rediscover stories of your faithfulness in our lives, and that we might hear your invitation to join you in your big story of redemption. I pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The big story, the greatest story ever told, was when the Creator God spoke reality into existence. And then the people of earth rebelled against that reality. And for thousands of years, God has been planning to redeem and to reconcile a lost people. He sent himself through his son to be born at the crossroads of the ancient world from a virgin, celebrated by shepherds and kings. He lived a sinless life and then gave himself up to a horrific death so that we could be reconciled with the Almighty God which was his plan in the first place. This is a masterful story filled with heroes and intrigue, tragedy and massacre, promise and hope, soldiers and shepherds, wise men, a special star. 
the entire world and all of history shifted in its trajectory from death and darkness to life and light. What a huge story! This is a story that ought to be a Netflix series. I love Netflix. Fantastic plot lines, major and minor motifs flowing back and forth. Solid character development. Beautiful costumes. Digitized sets. Time travel, myth, reality, fantasy. Sequels and prequels. Watching Netflix is so exciting. It can almost be like life. But actually, Netflix is a pale reflection of the adventure and purpose that God has in store for each one of us. And during this Lent, these 40 days, we get to discover that story. We can suspend our habits and our rhythms. We can choose to give up something good, particular foods or our social media, our news feeds. We might even have a dry Lent, except on Sunday, because Pastor Chris told us on Sunday it's a feast day. But we could give up good things for something even better. But why? What's the return on this incredible investment of suspending good things? Imagine that this Lent, we will discover something so powerful that our lives will be changed forever. What if the creator of the universe actually knows us and loves us and it is inviting us into his story that began at the beginning of time, continues today, and will move on into eternity. That would be big. That's what we get to do together, Ecclesia, for 40 days. For the next six weeks, our pastors will bring great teaching in church and on our screens. We'll be invited to join with each other to talk and debate, to eat together. I understand that there are now 15 small groups that are meeting throughout Lent to do just that. And everyone here is invited to join one of those groups or new groups because this is an opportunity to reconnect. The framework for these activities is this book that Pastor Mike mentioned, Thirsting for Living Water, Finding Adventure and Purpose in God's Redemption Story. It's a book that uh, InterVarsity Press published in October. It's got three parts. The first part are four stories that talk about my own descent into a dark night of the soul. It is the stories that catalyze the rest of the story. And it invites you to join my story, but more importantly, it activates your own minds 
to your story, what God is doing in your life. And it allows us to reflect on the Bible, love, faith, and hope. The second part is a look back in time as we consider those things that form our approach to faith and our approach to the church. And it's a a concentric set of circles that look at the family, our communities, our cities, and our world. The third part is just a set of stories from around the world where God is doing extraordinary things through ordinary people like me and you, and ordinary churches like yours and mine. My deepest hope is that these stories, mine and yours, will whet your thirst. You'll be caught in a flowing river of hopeful reflections, and you will discover an invitation into joining God's big story. This morning, as an example, I get to share with you a personal story. It is a story of how God has been faithful to me in the past, to give me the capacity to discover his story in the present. It's what God does in our lives today, in our stories today, that prepare us to live into his big story tomorrow. So let me tell you a story. I know that at some intrinsic and deep way, many of us believe that God is good all the time. I cannot hold my granddaughter or stand in nature without that sense of God's presence and love. But there are other times when God seems uh, more distant more elusive, quiet, sometimes maybe even cold when we need warmth. There are times when I felt alone or anxious, sometimes exhausted. Perhaps you have felt that way. Perhaps you feel that way now. This long COVID winter, or maybe a divorce or a diagnosis, war or the rumors of war, or maybe it's just one bill after another with no paycheck in sight. I felt that way when Hurricane Harvey struck. Now, you remember Harvey, 2017, 132 mile an hour winds ripping the roofs off of our houses, six foot storm surges, Six inches an hour falling on our city, 19 trillion gallons of water. Do you remember, Harvey? A crisis is never easy, but professionally, that's what I've been trained for. I've often organized people, mobilizing them often on a global scale to respond to a crisis. It should have been within my professional capacity to respond. But in that moment, I felt alone, and I felt exhausted, and God seemed silent and distant. 
In the 16th century, a man by the name of St. John of the Cross named that feeling the dark night of the soul. And I was so sure that God was with me for the previous decades, I couldn't understand why it was that I felt alone. And I started questioning, is, is God good all the time? Harvey didn't cause my dark night. There was a series of emotional, personal, professional issues that the storm just capped off. It started a few months earlier um, with the death of my father. I had um, known he'd been ill, but I was not ready for the phone call from the doctor that uh, told me that he would not recover from a stroke. The end didn't come quickly. He lingered, he was unresponsive, while his body slowly shut down. Sometimes it was hard for me to believe that that frail man in that hospital bed was that same bold teenager that hid Jewish neighbors from Nazi soldiers and traveled across the Atlantic on a freighter alone. But he was that same man. And it was, it was beautiful and painful uh, to behold. People would ask me, hey, how you doing? I'm fine. You know, most of us, whether things are good or bad, we, oh, we're, we're fine. We're doing just good. Now, I was sad. I was confused. But um, I had work to do. I had to care for my family, Natalie and my four daughters. I was fine. Natalie is and has always been the love of my life. She was right there in the hospital caring for my dad. And so she put off a mammogram. And you probably know what's coming next. When she finally had that mammogram, what came back was a positive test result. And when she told me she had cancer, I lost every sense of a solid footing. I was desperately afraid. And I was certainly less fine. I still had an organization to lead, and there were thousands of children around the world that desperately needed water. And living water had challenges at that time. You know, we were born right here in Houston, Texas, and you know that uh, we're the center of oil and gas, space, medicine. At the time, uh, the price of the, a barrel oil was about ready to crash. When I joined Living Water in 2008, a price of oil was $145. Sorry to say to some of us, kind of where we're going right now, about $145 a barrel. After my dad died and Natalie was diagnosed with cancer, the price of oil crashed to $26. 145 to 26 friends and family went out of business. There, were, uh, there was a lot of desperation financially uh, right here in Houston. And across the nation, there were other factors at play that put in doubt our ability to care for the thirstiest people around the world. It was heartbreaking to think of all of those kids 
that would not have a chance at life. Because when money is tight, we're unable to make our commitments. People literally go thirsty, and the gospel is not proclaimed when money is tight. It was in this context of death and loss and fear and anxiety that I cried out to God, Lord, help us. Where are you? Help me. Show us what to do. That's when Harvey hit us. That's what happened next. Now, let me just pause a minute and take a side step to share with you what was at risk in the wake of Harvey, but to also remind you about the good news, what this community has done for 15 years. You have saved and changed the lives of 158,000 formerly thirsty people. I have a three-minute video just to remind us what it is that you've been able to do even in the middle of this crisis. So please watch. Safe water is our most basic need. The root of all human flourishing and well-being. While water is essential to life, 844 million people around the world suffer without basic drinking water service. Many people still drink from surface sources, like rivers and lakes and others collect water from hand-dug pits, contaminated by pollutants and parasites. Dirty water makes families sick, endangers women and children, and limits the potential of entire communities. But with safe water, parents are empowered to advocate for the health of their families. Kids have more freedom to dream and play and attend school. Women have the time they need to care for their children, start businesses, and lead their communities. Churches with safe water wells become hubs in their community's collective life, bringing neighbors together to gather water and experience the love of Jesus. That's why, in communities where we work, living water engages with local churches. Through those relationships, we are able to communicate the gospel message to spiritually thirsty people. We believe God is calling the global church to respond to the physical and spiritual needs of our hurting sisters and brothers. Across the globe, our staff, churches, and friends like you are working together to lead gospel-centered change. Water brings us together, but Christ unites us for a greater impact. And as we share safe water and living water with those who need it most, we grow as one, deeply rooted in the love of God.
Friends, when Harvey hit, I was concerned that we would not be able to continue that life-saving work. So I sat there, got up early one morning because I couldn't sleep, and I went down to my office and I found a story, a story from the Bible, from the New Testament, where the disciples, 40 days after the crucifixion of their Lord, were in crisis. And I realized that it was 40 days after Harvey that I was in crisis. And it piqued my imagination. And I started reading this story where Jesus tells his disciples to wait. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, that ancient story spoke to me in modern days. It was, it was like brand new to me. And I thought, God gives us the power. In the middle of our crisis environments, he gives us the power to be his witnesses here and across the world. He always is asking us to remember the stories of his faithfulness in our lives. Remember the Lord your God who took you out of the land of Egypt. Remember your creator God in the days of your youth. Remember your God when you are traveling in distant lands. Remember. I began to look for more and more stories and I found that some of the most helpful stories for me were not all in the ancient texts, but were in my life and were in the lives of my friends. And I started hearing them and telling them, and it's through those stories that I gained a glimmer of hope. They were happening right under my nose, in the middle of my dark night of the soul. So I began to retell these stories. And this is the opportunity we have during Lent, is for us to discover God's stories of faithfulness in the middle of our lives. The events for me that followed reshaped my view of how God is at work in my life and through our church and across the world. And I fell in love with the idea of stories. Stories are powerful. They have a multiplier impact in three ways. The first is stories are sticky. God created our brains to love stories. That's why we love Netflix so much. If, if you hook someone up to an MRI machine and watch it while they're hearing a story, their brains light up. There's a synergy that happens between the storyteller and the story listener. The synergy helps us see life in a new way. We can discover buried or undetected emotion. The learning sticks with us. Some sources say that as we hear facts through stories, we remember them 22 times more than as when we hear facts as data. Stories are sticky. 
The second is that stories help us learn from reflection. What a spiritual gift reflection is. Stories unlock reflection. When we reflect on a story, we see how God is at work. We see how one another are engaged in that story. We see ourselves in the story. We can reflect on how we might act differently or the same the next time. And finally, stories inspire us for the future because it is remembering what God has done in our past that equips us to serve Him today. Discovering what God is doing today equips us to serve Him in the future. Now, my story has a happy ending. I'm delighted to share with you that Natalie is cancer-free. It's been five years. This is a picture of her ringing the bell at Memorial Hermann. There's a little tragedy in this story. The reason Natalie's wearing a mask today is because her mother was just diagnosed with breast cancer. And so she has a you know, compromised immunity. So I'm thinking that she's the only one in this room wearing a mask, but that's why. Her story would still have been blessed had it not had a good outcome. But I am thankful every day for God's mercy and healing. In the wake of Harvey, God did respond to all of the challenges of thirsty people around the world. We raised resources from people we had never heard of. Every well was drilled. Every sanitation and hygiene project was completed. Bible storing workshops continued. People gave their lives to Jesus. Churches flourished. Oil prices, as we know, eventually responded, and our Houston donors were able to respond generously uh, once again. Stories of God's faithfulness can be found throughout all of our lives. And Ecclesia, that is what you're cordially invited to participate in, and it will be one of the most powerful seasons of our lives. In closing, I would just remind you of three things. The first is that God loves you. He knows you. He's inviting you into His story. And as we tell our own stories, we can begin to get hints of how He's inviting us into His big story. God loves us. Second is, God is equipping us to get engaged. We don't have to be perfect. We don't have to have it all together. We can just join His story where we are today. And thirdly, I believe that the reason God is equipping us is because the world needs you. The world needs us to join together through Jesus Christ and share His stories to the thirsty. Jesus assures us, I am with you always to the end of the age. And that's a story worth telling. And when in doubt, tell a story. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.ecclesiahouston.org.